Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to i'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information There's one story, one recurring headline, that's starting to keep people across the country awake at night. Cost of living crisis. Cost of living crisis. Cost of living crisis. Cost of living crisis. The government is under increasing pressure to act, to help households with soaring bills. But so far, they've sometimes struggled to hit the right note. We need to have a plan to grow the economy and make sure that people are able to protect themselves better, uh, whether that is by taking on more hours or moving to a better paid job. There's not this views, this, this massive views for food banks in this country. We've got generation after generation who cannot cook properly, they can't cook a meal from scratch, they cannot budget, the challenge is there. Does the Prime Minister still support his Chancellor's insulting statement that acting now in this cost of living emergency would just be silly. Last week, we looked at the big picture of rising costs across Europe as inflation reached a 40-year high of 9% and the Bank of England warned of apocalyptic food prices. But what impact is that already having here in the UK. How much pressure are businesses and ordinary households already under? We've traced how costs are rising across the economy and why food prices are being pushed up by following the story of one household essential. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the cost of living. How much is a pint of milk? It's been a question that's tripped up politicians for years. Do you even know the, the cost of a pint of milk? 
and about 80p or something like that. No, it's about 40-something p. Okay, well, big, I mean, a bit, one, the, one oh. of those biggish ones. Unfortunately, I think that not only are Cameron Osborne two posh boys who don't know the price of milk, but they're two arrogant posh boys. I buy my, my milk in pints these days. I tend to buy the, uh, the, the four-pint um, larger... Roughly? ...larger um, uh, uh, cartons. But, you know, this, is, this isn't about... Um, well, how much is that when, about, when you go and buy uh, the large? Well, no, it's not, the Sam, large. it's not about pop. It's not about pop. Well, I buy it as no, part but it's of about, a it's about demonstrating to the public. But perhaps the question isn't quite so simple. Not with prices changing as quickly as they have in the last 12 months. So today, we're taking you on a journey along the supply chain of a shopping basket staple to show how UK businesses and customers are already feeling the squeeze. And as you might have guessed, we've chosen the politically awkward pint of milk. Well, I'm a third-generation farmer on both sides of the family, so I'm really proud of that because my parents are both farmers and both sets of grandparents are farmers. At the very start of the supply chain is Abby Reader, Deputy President of the National Farmers' Union, Cymru, and as you can tell, a proud dairy farmer in South Wales. We farm in the Vale of Glamorgan, which isn't probably when lots of people think of Wales, they think of a lot of hills. We do have rolling ground, but it's more like gently rolling countryside. Um, and it's split up with a lot of hedgerows, which are in excess of 300 years old, and wow. quite a bit of woodland. We have two breeds of cow on the farm. One is your typical Holstein Frisian, so that's your black and white cow. But the other one is a dairy shorthorn, which is red and white. And they're a native British breed here in, in the UK, and they fed everyone through the war. They're actually a very, very rare breed. They're on the critical list and they're about to die out. But we're working really hard here on the farm to make sure that we preserve those genetics for generations to come. So you're not actually out on the farm, but even in the farmhouse, I can see lots of pictures of cows behind you, which seems apt. Yeah, that's right. I love being surrounded by cows. They're, they're peaceful creatures and um, yeah, they can brighten your day. Even even on those, those really wet, cold days, they're always going to make you smile. You clearly love what you do. Has it suddenly become a lot harder? Because for a lot of a lot of people, they'll be going to the supermarket in the last few weeks, certainly, and just noticing that the price of things like milk and, and bread have really gone up. As a dairy farmer, for you, what's changed? We started to see prices increase right at the beginning of the year. So prices for any of our inputs, particularly feed. So any feed we might buy in for our cows. Um, ah. fertilizer for making our crops grow and importantly for dairy making our grass grow and also for fuel those have continued to increase just when you think it couldn't get any worse it does and what we find ourselves in at the minute is a situation where uh, the price we're receiving from milk is going up which we're very grateful for but it's not managing to keep pace with how quickly these costs are rising it's making day-to-day -day jobs very very anxious. You know, you're, you're always thinking every day, can we afford to do what we're doing? So yeah, really? it's it's real, a lot of pressure at the moment. 
And just talk us through some of those rises. Why has feed become more expensive in the last few months? We're particularly seeing an impact from the Ukraine. Um, Ukraine are massive suppliers of important feed for livestock, also feed for humans that, that goes around the world. Now, in the UK, we won't actually import a lot of those ourselves. We do import quite a bit of maize from them. But other countries around the world will import that food. And because it's no longer on the market, we've seen a shortage, which suddenly means everybody is clamoring for for that same little bit of leftover supply that's coming from other countries. So that's that's mm. been one issue. And then a knock-on effect of that, which gets even more horrifying, is, is other countries are starting to panic. So if we look at places like South America, where we can get a lot of soya, and, and it's soya that we import as much for human food as, as we do for livestock feed, they're starting to panic that they're going to run out of food themselves. So they've shut their wow. borders at the minute. Um, Indonesia is another one. We import a lot of palm kernel from them. And again, as much for humans as for livestock. They have now started restricting how much palm is being exported from their country. And then yesterday I saw a report that said India, which is the second world largest producer of wheat, they are also now starting to close their, their borders. So they're, they're, they're going to stop exporting as much wheat as they used to. These are really concerning. We're such a global industry it's going to have huge knock-on effects for us. And this is causing the price of feed to go up by as much as 70%. Just talk us through the the changes in prices in, in particular. So people will have noticed that a pint of milk has become more expensive. What's the difference for you on your end, sort of before it gets to the supermarket? How much did it use to cost you to produce this, the, the same amount of milk? You know, how much has the, the change in cost gone up? And how much are you able to charge more now to the supermarkets? So the the average cost of production, let's say a year ago, um, would have been roughly 26 to 27 pence a litre. Hmm. Um, today, the average cost of production is more like 40 to 41 pence a litre and higher, depending on wow. who you sell to. So almost double. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, really in, in less than 12 months. I mean, we talk about a year ago, but actually all of these changes have happened from December onwards. In terms of the price that we receive for our milk. So again, a year ago, some farms would have received 26, 27 pence a litre for what they sell. So they would have been just about on the break even. There's, there's not much in it. The price that we are receiving today on average is about 38 pence a litre. So you can see it's still trailing behind. The costs, 40 to 41 pence. The average price is 38 pence. So there's a a serious loss there. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a business person. I'm not a farmer, but even I can tell that you can't, that can't be sustainable. You're, You're making a loss on every pint you sell. How long can you keep doing that? Yeah, this is the problem. How long can we stick it out? Um, Farming by its nature is a long-term business. Uh, We're in it for the long haul. I have calves being born today that are the future generation of milk and cow, but they won't actually start giving me return until two years' time when they're fully grown and and they're producing milk. So it's really, really long-term, and it's a big decision for a farmer to think, can I stop? So someone like myself is not buying in this feed. We're producing less milk and we're just going to have to sit it out. We can turn the taps slowly down, but it's really hard to turn them back up again quickly. So Mm. these things are all so long-term. 
we need to start acting on this now and getting some plans in place. And for you, I mean, the, your your costs have gone up almost doubled in very little time. And part of that, you know, as we discussed, was feed and Ukraine. I mean, what are the other things that keep you awake at night? Where, where are the other costs creeping up? Fuel is another one. The load I had delivered this morning, I didn't even know what the price was because the price of fuel has started to go up again and it has doubled in the last seven months. Energy prices. So being a dairy farm, we rely on electricity for milking times and also Mm. for cooling the milk. Those prices are going up. These are all things that we're going to struggle to, to have any impact on. And, you know, certainly in terms of milking time and milk cooling, we can't cut back on that. We have to keep going. No. For you, is there anything else that the government could be doing to make your life easier, to make sure that you and thousands like you, you know, don't go bust before things get better? Yeah, I think there's a huge amount that they can do and and it's really only government that can do it. I think it's time that, you know, we, we just gently reminded everybody that the reason farming receives support payments is for things like this. Now, usually support payments are there to cover more like weather disasters, like drought or severe flooding or or whatever it may be. That farm support payment is there to make sure you can get through the bad times. It's basically, well, it's my wages. There's very little profit in farming. So we tend to, Mm -hmm. a lot of us will tend to live off the farm support payment, but it's there to make sure we stay in business so that we're continuing to produce food for people. and, And that's the way it is. Government are really going to have to start very much working with us as an industry now, what we need to do is a lot of horizon scanning and a lot of planning. We need to know what is going to be possible going forward. Are you optimistic about where you'll be in a year's time? I think at the moment I'm relieved that finally this news has broken, that there could be a problem with with food prices rising in the future, because I feel like as as farmers and as the National Farmers Union, we've been jumping up and down about this for the last couple of months, but we haven't been successful in making people understand what is coming towards us. And and as a farmer, I can see it uh, and it's horrifying. Um, Will I be here in a year's time? Look, you're you're sat looking at me on a screen here and you can see a photo of my cow behind me, Pepsi. (laughs) Pepsi has been with me for the last 11 years. I will not give up on her. Uh, And as farmers... You know, that's part of the reason why we stay in this business. So we've got more to give at the minute, but we are really struggling to ride this storm. And will we be here next year? I very much hope so. I'm actually more concerned about the younger generation coming in and, you know, how how we're going to continue to encourage them to come into this industry when it feels like there's not as much to give as there used to be. Coming up, what does all of that mean for the price of your weekly shop? We'll find out after a quick message from a colleague. Hi, my name's Ben Spencer and I'm science editor of the Sunday Times. My job is to get to grips with complex issues from coronavirus to climate change. I can only do this thanks to the subscribers of the Times and Sunday Times. Please consider subscribing today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. I'm 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Christine and I run Hopes of Longtown. We're an independent village store and post office in the rural community of Longtown at the foothills of the Black Mountains on the border between England and Wales. The next stop on our journey is the shop owner, the important middle ground between the farmer and the rest of us, the shoppers. Just give us a sense of what what you can see outside. Blades of grass growing after the downpour of rain last night. I've got the Skirid Mountain in front of the shop. It's like a peak of excitement and the blossoms coming out. Um, And that's a signature of like, yay, hey, festival's going to be starting soon. So the literary festival and the the market town of Hay with its um, books. God, that sounds wonderful. Um, But whilst there's that sort of optimism about what's coming, things haven't been so great recently, have they? I mean, just tell us a bit about how how the cost of doing what you do has been changing over the last few months. As any enterprise in the country at the moment, on the back of COVID, you know, life's been a little bit up and down and there's been some winners and lots of losers. So I have to say during COVID, our sales went through the roof because of a natural resource and somewhere we could go straight away and with opening times and we started a telephone service for those who were vulnerable and dropping it off and that has continued. But what we're seeing now is actually our overheads just rising dramatically. So cost of moving things around, hourly rates and our energy price, our energy supply went into liquidation last October and then going back into the marketplace at um, nearly 100% increase on cost. So your energy costs have been increasing. What about the things you actually sell? I mean, talk us through the price, for example, of a pint of milk. How has that changed? So you'll be, everyone will be familiar with the sort of semi whole milk, skimmed milk, alternative milks. Across the board, there has been a price increase. But specifically in the last two to three months, every single dairy cow milk product has had a price increase. And every single type that we have in that marketplace has increased more than once, which is highly unusual. So so tell us, since the start of this year, how much has the cost of a pint of milk gone up for you? Since last September, the price has gone up from 40% from now until then. And even just the last three months from February till now, May 22, it's gone up 17%. So quite a vast jump in such a short space of time and the price to our consumer because we need to pass these costs on it's gone up 40% as well although I have to say in the last three months it's only been a 14% difference but that's it's still there it's still the past going on and uh, it's not just us it's a whole industry and every industry sector will be feeling the cost rise of energy. And are all the people in the community are is it starting to to hit their pockets quite badly I mean are they managing or is it is it are things getting quite tight? 
I think things were already quite tight. We were on a backdrop of COVID and limited income and perhaps your three months spare reserve was well spent 18 months ago. So there isn't any sort of um, movability in, in budgets or criteria. You just can't go out and earn a bit more. And of course, I am feeling energy price increases. The home will also be see- receiving that. And all the goods are transported around the country and delivery and freight costs increased six months ago. So that's what I think is coming through in the market. What we haven't seen is the cost of labour prices coming through in the marketplace. So I really do think it would be a very difficult period of time. And as all the markets have been centralised for food production, that means the local resilience, which is key, there, there isn't quite the same amount of infrastructure in there that would have been here, say, 30 or 40 years ago. And for you, I mean... You know, given that there's always the the competition from supermarkets, when when you started seeing the prices going up, and you know that people around you are, you know, they're on a budget, things things are difficult. Was there any possibility of not passing all of those increases on? Did you think about trying to find a way of absorbing, absorbing some of those? Yeah. Um- That is something we could have considered twelve months ago, but our overheads have gone up so much that we can't consider that. Because we really? we wouldn't we we couldn't carry on trading. Wow, it's it's that it's that bad. Yeah. At the moment, though, I mean, do you feel that as a business you are coping? Coping's a very interesting word. <laughs> How would you describe coping? If you mean, am I working more hours? Yes. Am I determined the business will survive? Yes. Are my team exceptional? Yes. What else can we do apart from redevelop, look at more opportunities and be very clear about our finances and what we can do going forward? My name is Faith Anglet and I'm a single mother of two. They are ages two and five. (laughs) And um, currently, unemployed, but I am trying to get myself back <laughs> to the workplace again. So um, I'm currently studying teaching support and doing work experience in my son's school. Finally, the last stop in the journey. What do these rising costs mean for the customer? Faith takes part in COVID Realities, a project funded by the Nuffield Foundation, tracking life on a low income. She's speaking to us from her home, which, as you might be able to hear, is in a very busy city. So what had happened is that during the pandemic, I had gone through quite a lot. And one of them was actually having a divorce. It has been quite hard to get back to even to the workplace due to there not being much support in childcare. And unless you are in the position where you have to actually look at childcare and how much does it cost. You do need a a bit of a lump sum to actually make a deposit for childcare. So with someone who, like me, didn't have any savings coming out of my divorce and didn't have any secure home, it has been a fact that I'm, I'm spending more than I'm saving, actually. So it's only last year that I got my permanent housing. That's when now the economy just now started going downhill 
and the cost of living just raised and raised. You, you cannot really plan for that and you try your best to live within your means, but when you have kids, there are things that they'll need come rain or shine. So it's been a case that um, I've had to, to see how can I quickly get into work. And, and Faith, for you, I mean, you weren't yes. expecting to be in these circumstances. You know, you, you haven't got savings. You weren't expecting inflation to be so high. You thought you'd still be in a marriage and you have two little kids. I think everybody would understand that's incredibly difficult and it's incredibly hard to get a job when you've got a two-year-old and, and childcare mm -hmm. so expensive. I mean, just tell me, how, how is that playing out for you at the moment on a weekly basis? How are you managing mm -hmm. to do your shopping and... and you know, how are you managing to, to live within within a budget? I mean, the past few weeks, I, I can't, cannot tell you how I've actually survived through them. I think it's just been a miracle. I'm not even um, trying to exaggerate here. It's been a case where once I do get paid, I will get, you know, the essentials, which we cannot live without, like the formula, the nappies, the wipes, obviously a bit of food, and then whatever's left for the rest of the month, which has to be transport. If I can have enough transport money and just maybe have one pound in my pocket, then I'll just survive on that, really. So most of the time, obviously my son, who now goes to reception, he's always saying, oh, why don't we go to shops? Can we go to shop today, mummy? I'm like, no, no, we don't have any money. Um, so, I mean, he understands that, yes, there's not much, you know, money is tight, but he doesn't understand the concept of why it is getting tighter. Of course. I mean, that must be very hard having to say no. Mm, it is. It is. Because he's the last person I want to say no to, really. Yes. And in terms of, as you said, you know, travel is incredibly expensive. And if you're trying to find mm. a job, you need to travel. In terms of just your mm -hmm. food budget, how much have you noticed mm -hmm. that changing? What tends to happen is that once now I've gone out to pay for my groceries, I'm actually having to spend more to just get those same amount of groceries. Instead of going for a weekly shop, I now even go for every other week. I mean, how are you managing to to feed yourself and your, your children? Well, the good thing is that they're, they're still young. So it's not as if they, they need to eat, you know, a whole lot. It's easier to then cook in batches, which I do much more now than I used to do before. And... Um, also, if fruit is costing too much, I'll just have to maybe swap it out and get a snack or make a snack myself. So it's a case of as long as they're happy, they're eating, I will, you know, maybe do some intermittent fasting just to make it work. And I'll just tell myself, you know, at the end of the day, it's not as if I don't need a diet, but it is quite sad in terms of um, I know I'm not the only one in Britain doing this. And some might have more children than I do, so they might actually go to bed with an empty stomach. And it's it's really heartbreaking. Oh, Faith, that sounds so hard. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's mad that you should be actually sort of missing meals now and, and, and having to go without. I mean, just tell us, you know, for example, with a pint of milk that you, you need for the, for the children, I mean, mm -hmm. how much of a difference has there been in the last few months in, in the amount you're paying for it? 
Well, it's 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 crazy how this you know it's just gone from where you could say okay, um, a pint of milk was once upon a time thirty p, but now going to you know half a pound, which is fifty p. I mean, two kids who they also like the milk as well. I mean, yeah. um, now that my younger one is coming out of formula, I do try to make her taste some milk as well. So it, I, it's it's a luxury. Milk is a luxury. That that's remarkable. So, so a glass of milk now for for a child is mm-hmm. starting to feel like a luxury. And have you changed the amount of milk you buy now every week compared to how much yes, you did before? Yes, definitely. So um, normally um, for a week, I I used to buy two big four pints of milk, but now I'm having to just buy one four pints of milk per week. Given how difficult life is for you at the moment, is there more that the government could be doing to help? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that there is room for the government to uh, help. I wish that politicians would listen more to what the communities are telling their MPs and what they're struggling with and where they need that help, whether it be more food banks out there or whether it be also helping people to um, have some decent childcare and to, so they can go back to work because it, the system isn't working. It's a case of we, we need more concrete help and we definitely need something for the short term and um, so far what they've given us is okay for maybe the longer term but not for the shorter term. So this country definitely is in crisis. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Abby Reader, Christine Hope, and Faith Anguit. You can read more about the cost of living at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you'd like to get in touch with us, perhaps tell us how you're being affected by the cost of living crisis, then do drop us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.